0: He led me to preach on the Bible verse, uh, the, the, the uh, VBS Bible verse, and, and just kind of personal history. I, I was taught to memorize this verse as a child, and, and so I did. And, uh, but I didn't get saved until I was a freshman in college. And, and then God brought me back to this verse that was already in my head, and he made it really meaningful to me after I had the Lord. And so it became kind of uh, special to me in college and then in seminary. And so I, I memorized it, I think, in the King James and the NIV. And then I preached from the ESV and in, in VBS where we're, we used the Holman Standard Version. And, and, and even in, in our classroom, we had a modified children's version. So I've got a lot of versions rumbling around in my head, but but it's it's all in accordance, it's all in accord with each other, and, and so we're going to look at the t- that today. And I'm going to read the entire context uh, of the verse uh, in which it fits. And so if you'll stand with me for the reading of God's word, it's in Second Peter starting uh, chapter one, starting in verse three. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way there will be you... In this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able to recall these things. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for you, I thank you that you have spoken to us. I thank you for sending Jesus. And, and we just ask that we would listen to what you have to say today and that we would respond how, how you are asking us to respond. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, uh, I, I was led to, to verse uh, 3. And if time allows, uh, I'll, I'll kind of talk about how it fits into the, to the larger context. And as we as we read the Bible and study it in our own life, uh, that's one of the things we kind of as we study, you know, there's so many different ways to read the Bible. You want to read for a thorough overview. You want to read for how it fits in the, in the canon. You want to read, maybe uh, just kind of think about and meditate on, on what it means and, and apply it to our lives. There's so many things about studying the Bible in our personal life. And one of them is kind of how it fits, because because the Lord led me to verse 3, but, but maybe in your Bible, and I haven't checked the commas and the periods uh, in. In the different translations, but, but in the ESV, that's not the full sentence. It doesn't end there, you know, and so you want to see what Peter's thinking, and, and Peter just keeps going from thought to thought to thought, therefore, 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 and, and it just flows, and it's, it's really wonderful, and every little thought is so packed with so much of, of what God's trying to say to us. And so there's a lot to study there. And 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 the original language didn't have commas and periods and and Greek just they love run-on sentences. They they would be so horrible in English class. Uh, it just keeps running on and on and on. And so it's always it's it's always a challenge for translators. Where where do we put those periods? Where where does the thought end? You know, and so, so if time allows, uh, at the end, I, I kind of want to point out how it fits into the context of things. But, but I, I really believe that God led us to the focus uh, on this verse, the theme verse, and and I titled our sermon uh, "Everything We Need," and and it, and it's kind of funny because I, I understood that to be the main point of verse three. Everything we need. And uh, you know, uh, since we moved to Albuquerque, all my my books are still in boxes in the garage, and and so I I, you know I I was a a little bit hesitant to unpack you know fifty plus boxes of 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 stuff, and and so uh, largely I was just kind of reading it and studying it on my own, and then finally on Saturday, once VBS was over, I was like you know maybe I ought to dig in a little deeper, but uh, still I left those boxes alone. I went on the internet. There's a lot of great things on the internet. And, and so, uh, and so, I I was looking at the Greek, and 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 uh, you know, uh, if if you learn Greek or even a little bit of Greek, uh, one of the big things you start to notice is is unlike English, where we have subject, verb, indirect object, or, or direct object, you know, we have a structure. They can throw the the words around in whatever order they want, and they kind of sound like Yoda <laughs> if if you translate them directly word for word you know why is the lord you are you know and uh, and but because they can switch the word order around they're very intentional about which words come first usually the first word in a sentence that they've chosen because that's the most important and so uh, you know i I, lo- I went on the internet i looked at the greek and, and sure enough the verse starts with all and so that's actually point two of my sermon, but, but I just wanted to point that out. All things, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And so, um, so but, uh, uh, you know, uh, gr- it doesn't always work, and so they've got to make it work in English, and, and ours starts with His divine power. And I kind of like how the English does it because we're going to start and end with God. If you can't do anything else in your life, do that. Start and end with God. Uh, so, uh, so his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's, that's the main clause. And his divine power. And, 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 and I began to think about, about his divine power. And I had a friend in college, and uh, he was a youth minister already, uh, and, so, and I was a religion major, called to ministry, and, and, and we became friends over, you know, just our mutual interest in Jesus and, and going into the ministry. And, and he was kind of a crazy guy, and he was married, and, and so he had this, he was a youth minister. He had a side job selling uh, knives, and, and I don't remember the brand. I think it was Cutco. Anyone ever heard of that brand? Oh, okay, okay, super, super sharp knives, and he was a great salesman, uh, and, and they also, uh, along with their knives, made a pair of scissors, you know, and, and, and in, in his demonstration, he would pull out these incredibly sharp scissors, and he'd pull out a penny, and he'd start cutting it like it was construction paper, with scissors. And then he'd cut around the edge, and, and he'd turn that penny into a little corkscrew. That was part of his demonstration, and, and he was good at it. And, and so uh, one day in college, I, I had a project. Uh, I, you know, I, I never would have thought in college that I had to cut things and glue things and paste things. I thought I was beyond that, but I had one. And so I didn't have a pair of scissors, and I, and I said, Well, well, Sean, can I borrow your scissors? And he said, sure. And, and so I'm in my dorm room uh, making the project. And, and I was a, an RA, so guys in, on the hall would stop by my room. And, and and a guy stopped by my room, and I thought, oh, hey, you want to see something cool? So I pull out a penny, and I get those scissors, and gunk, nothing. And, I, and I, I pull off the scissors, and there's a dent in the scissors. And I'm like... Oh, no, I just dented his scissors, and and why doesn't it cut? And so I I finished my project, and and I returned the scissors the next day, and I said, "Um, I dented your scissors. And and he's like, what? And he's like, yeah, I I was going to show a guy in my hall how that could cut pennies, and and, and it didn't work. And he's like, oh, I didn't give you those scissors. I thought you'd cut your finger off, you know? (laughs) And, and, And so... So I didn't have the good scissors. God doesn't give us second rate. God gives us his divine power. And, and, and we have all things by his divine power. And that literally means all that you can imagine of God is in what he gives us. God doesn't do anything second rate. Everything that he is, he is perfect in love, perfect in power, perfect in holiness, perfect in grace and mercy. And everything that God is goes into what he does. There's there's no moment in time, there's no thing that God does where he goes, you know what, uh, I think I'm just going to do my holiness today. Uh, There's no room for my love in this action. Everything that God does is perfect in love, perfect in holiness, perfect in power. And so when his when when Peter reminds us that it's by God's divine power all that he is has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and 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 and, uh, and so just as you're driving someday and and you're thinking about. Uh, you know, God giving us everything that he is. In fact, uh, Paul, of course, agrees because uh, they're both inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, and Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 uh, that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavens. Not just some of it, every single one. And so his divine power uh, has granted to us all things. And really, that is the main point all things that's what peter was saying all things have been given to us by his divine power all things and and uh, as a young christian you know i memorized it as a child it became real to me in college and 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 it just it, it just keeps being more and more meaningful because the truth is again as paul reminds us we don't fight against flesh and blood but but against principalities and powers and 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 if you belong to Christ you're an enemy of Satan and uh and, and the reality is it's not just Satan he doesn't get all the credit he can't be everywhere like God can Satan and his minions are out there but we live in a fallen world and and there are are just uh fallen people that that are going to share their ideas and and really and until we're with Jesus in heaven and we have a perfectly perf- perfected body, and mind, we have an old self that wants to rear its ugly head every chance it gets. Even though we may be redeemed, even though we have asked Jesus Christ to forgive us uh, and and be our Lord and Savior, if we let it, our old self will say, come on back. Come on back. Live the way you used to live. And it's so easy for a time, but it's not worth it. And so. uh, So all of this, these lies uh, of the world, of Satan, and even our own fleshly nature. And and this is a big one, because they're going to say, it's not enough. They're going to say, you need more. What God has given you is not enough. And there's, there's a tons of ways to say this. I'm going to point out a few, but, but this is not by any means an exhaustive list. And, and, and then we'll end with what Peter points out. Because Peter talks about, about what the world would say is not enough. And then we need to rebuke, wherever it comes from, uh, if, it's, if it's another person in the world, uh, rebuke with love. <laughs> Uh, again, this, this truth uh, of God's word is a powerful truth, and it can be abused. You know, As someone who's struggling and, and who's asking God, uh, why is this happening? Well, God's given you everything you need, and you could say it with such a flippant attitude. Even though it's 100% true, we need to speak the truth in love. And so, uh, uh, and so, again, and to ourselves, wherever it may come from, uh, even our own self, it pops in our head, our own thoughts, and we say, No, God has given me everything I need. All things that pertain to life and godliness, God has given me. You know, uh, uh, and, and it's, it's simple. The it's simplest things, uh, uh, a little bit of my history that I don't always share is, is, is in middle school. I, I really didn't think anyone loved me. Even my own parents. I came to find out that that was a lie. But, but the world and Satan had really done a number on me. So much so that I turned to my best friend and he betrayed me and abused me. And I carried that with me. I, I, I saw myself as a wounded individual. And even in seminary, I, I went to counseling a little in college. But I was still struggling with it in seminary. And and without realizing it, I had made a different standard for me. I had, you know, most Christians have to do this. They have to share the gospel and make relationships. But I'm a wounded individual. I'm hurt. I'm less than, than what God intended. And so it's it's okay if I don't really work at making relationships. And therefore, it's okay because I was scared in my heart. It's okay if I don't share Christ as, as, as maybe he directs me. And I started seeing a counselor in seminary. And he said, where's that in the Bible? And it's not. There's no uh, go and uh, make disciples of all nations except for Ken and the rest of you wounded people. That's not there. God knew exactly who I was when I got saved. God knew all my hurts, all my pains, all my weaknesses, all my tendencies. And he said, I will give you what you need. And the first thing I needed was Jesus. And he calls us all, and the standard is Jesus. Be perfect as I am perfect. And he knew who we were. He knows who we are. He knows who we'll be. And he tells us. I have given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so that was a lie. I had a different standard. Oh, God, you didn't give me all things. I'm a special case. It's a lie. That's not in the Bible. I will take care of you. Never will I leave you nor forsake you. That's in the Bible. And so even our own self might Throw that—it's not enough. And I really appreciate Stephen. I—I I, just—I love him. I love that the word that he brings us every week. And just just last week, uh, the first point uh, where he was talking about how how you know uh, James gets martyred and Peter gets miraculously rescued, and, and and there's really no definitive answer. God doesn't give us every little detail, but He gives us everything we need. You know, and we can trust that God is good. I, 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 if you didn't hear last week's sermon, go back and listen to it. It was awesome. And, and, and that's just another example, because it's real easy for us to look at other Christians and go, why does he get this? Why, or, you know, either good or bad. You know, why, why am I struggling when, and he gets it easy? And, and, you know, the beautiful thing is, we can cry out to God and ask him that. But we need to submit to his answer. We need to submit to his word. We need to submit to his will and and recognize that he is good. And, and uh, I, I remember reading C.S. Lewis, and, and, and he was talking about this whole tendency in us to compare ourselves to other Christians. And, oh, look at him. He's not doing as much as me. But, but we can't see the heart like God can. Only he can see the heart. And it could be, even though it looks like in the world's eyes that I'm doing more, this guy who I'm saying, oh, he's not doing as much as me, he might not be gifted in that area. He might be really weak. That might be one of his weaknesses. And re- in reality, he might be like the widow who just gave two little mites. It wasn't the amount that was a given. It, it was the fact that she was sacrificing more than all the rich people. And God sees that. And God knows what we need. And God is good. And that's another way that we might let that lie creep in when we start. And we're not supposed to compare ourselves to other Christians. There's two people that we can compare ourselves to. One is Jesus, and I mentioned it earlier. Be perfect as I am perfect. And the other one is ourselves. In Romans 12, 3, uh, uh, be sober-minded. You can compare yourself. You can look at yourself and say, Wow, look at where God has brought me and look at where I am today. That's okay. Look at what God has done in your life. But when we start comparing ourselves to other Christians, we're just going to get in trouble. That's, That's another lie. That's another way where we might cry out to God. It's not enough. And we need to rebuke that. All things God has granted to us that pertain to life and Godliness. And then finally, uh, you know, just one more example uh, of what Peter mentions later in in the sentence. uh, So that, uh, uh, picking up in verse uh, four, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Wow. (laughs) And then having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Have you ever had those moments in your life you just you're beat down because you keep giving in to sin and temptation? Peter is sharing with us. That's why he ends this section with, I'm going to keep reminding you about these things. That's the giant context. I'll go ahead and mention it now. That's the giant context of this this section. I'm reminding you of these things so that you will live a godly life and you won't give in to the temptation and the corruption of this world. That you won't believe the lie that it's not enough. It is. God has granted us all things. And uh, I know in the NIV it says uh, uh, all think for a godly life, and uh, I love the NIV. That's what when I got saved, that's what I was reading and studying. It's a great translation, but but uh, for some reason uh, they combined life and godliness into godly life, and it really is two things in the Greek. And and and, and I think they miss out because I began to think about well, is it. Is it just that God's going to give us everything we need if we follow him and his plan in the godly life, or is Peter really trying to make a distinction between these two things and, and and in the Bible you'll find you know a lot of times just for our aid the the Bible divides things uh into into classes to help us love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and uh you know uh, so so that we That's just a a really great way, a categorical way to say all that you are, love the Lord God. Make him first in your life. And so one of the major distinctions of the Bible is it really distinguishes between the physical world and the spiritual world. Between here and now and eternity. And and, and Peter is saying God's going to give you everything for here and now, life the physical world what you're facing right here right now but God is going to give you everything for the spiritual world too and and when Paul says you know this physical world will pass away we don't fight against it it's the spiritual world well yeah it's the godly life and so the NIV kind of rolled it up into one and that that's fine but when we're struggling with crying babies and and sick kids and, and grumpy coworkers and and Albuquerque traffic and and all the things of this world, that too. That too. It is all the spiritual things, all the things that God has called us to, and every aspect of life and godliness. In fact, uh, you'll see godliness mentioned several times in this passage. That's a and that's another good study tool for when you're reading on your own. When the Bible, uh, God has inspired the Bible writers to repeat words. That's God saying ding 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 ding, uh, you know. And and one of the best examples is uh, you know uh, uh, when when the Jews went into exile, and they came back seventy years later they retold their story. That's why we have Chronicles. And it was a new generation taking hold of their story of God. And so we, we, we have two stories, and it's really interesting because the, the sin of Bathsheba didn't make it the second time. You know, we see that as one of David's greatest sins. It didn't even make the cut. The one that did make the cut is when he didn't trust God and did a census. That's a much bigger sin when we don't trust God. And so that's interesting. And, and, and so, okay, we need to hear this again. And I, I know about me, uh, uh, I'm, I like to say I'm kind of spiritually dense. <laughs> I, I have to hear things several times before I finally have that aha moment where I'm like, oh, that's what God is, is telling me to do. In fact, uh, I forget the exact number, but I believe it is in the high teens or maybe early 20s. Uh, Barna did a study of how many times uh, the average person has to hear the gospel before they get saved. And so I remember it's in the high teens or early 20s. And, and I've done a lot of door-to-door witnessing. And I, I've, I've, I've had the privilege of meeting people that heard the gospel for the first time and responded and got saved. Amen. Amen. Well, I grew up in the church and didn't get saved till college, so I kind of make up for them. You know, that's how it gets in the teens. And I like to think that I'm spiritually dense. And maybe that doesn't matter. What matters is we get it. And so God repeats himself in the Bible. That's a good study tool. This is a big rabbit I'm chasing. And the Gospels. That's the only story that's repeated four times. Jesus. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to realize that the Word of God is, is pointing up to Jesus, looking back at Jesus, looking forward to Jesus, that it's all about Jesus. And I, I love how Stephen says, the entire Bible is the gospel message. <laughs> Amen. And so, God has given us everything we need, and that's going to play into the next point. All things that, that pertain to life and godliness. How do we receive this? It's the next, it's the next point. Through the knowledge of him who called us. Through the knowledge of him who called us. Now, a lot of languages, I, I, have the, I work for Faith Comes by Hearing, if, if you don't know what they do. They make audio Bibles and other things, and, and, and their goal is to get every heart language in the world. And that's the, that's the only thing I'll say from the pulpit. If you want to hear more, I'll be happy to talk to you about it. But but uh, my particular job is I get to work with those languages. I can't read them, you know. I'm not some linguistical genius or anything. Uh, but but uh, I look for clues and I I, I look at the scripts and, and 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 so I do get to see patterns. And a lot of languages uh, I know ha- have this, this concept of two types of knowledge. I know Spanish is one, and 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 uh, and we just use the same English word and 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 this this concept of you can know facts and you can you can know experientially and 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 i like to tell uh people this you know uh i, I you know think of your favorite sports person i like to use uh michael Phelps. Uh, he hasn't always made the best life choices but he's one of the most uh, medaled olympians ever uh a great swimmer uh just just medals out the wazoo and 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 he could have had more. He's, he's a nice guy. He, he, he turned down opportunities to have more. This guy is amazing. And, 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 you know, I've Wikipedia'd him before, and I've learned a few facts. And, and so I could tell you I know Michael Phelps. But what if I had grown up in the same town as him and gotten a chance to, I'm significantly older than him, so gotten a chance to teach his Sunday school class and, and seeing him grow up and spent time with him, then I could say, I know Michael Phelps. And so that's the difference. You can know facts about someone, or you can have a relationship with them. You can experience that someone. And so what is Peter saying here? We, can, we have all things that pertain through life and godliness by facts and figures? No. no. Yeah, thank you, brother. Yeah, through through a relationship, through the knowledge of him who called us, that's where it starts. But it's actually both. But those facts and figures can't save you. You know, you can can memorize the Bible, but if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not going to save you. You have to ask Jesus to forgive you. You have to ask him to be your Lord and Savior and then follow him. And then you begin a relationship. Then you become a child of God. And that's where it starts, the knowledge of him. But don't stop there. How sad would it be? Uh, You know, uh, Paul says that in in the Corinthian letter. How sad would it be if you showed up in heaven and had no no, uh, eternal works uh, to lay at Jesus' feet? That they all get burned up. And I'm, I'm, of course, paraphrasing. Say, don't be like that. You know, even the thief on the cross, he rebuked the other thief. And he had trust in Jesus in, in the most amazing way I, I don't think I could do. And so he's got two little works to lay at Jesus' feet when he, when he well, I guess he's in heaven already. So even in the thief on the cross uh, 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 did some. And, 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 so, and so it starts with the, with the knowledge, having a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is how we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. But but as you begin to read the context of this passage, and, and Peter is encouraging us to make sure that we're really saved, make sure that we're living the life, that we're not being blind, it's also we need to know all that God has told us. We need to, to keep reading it. You know, I, uh, in the 80s, there, there seems like there's been a string of uh, a televangelists and, and, and really big people that fell, and, and it's been happening ever since. And, and the ones that have been honest have shared that long before they fell, long before they, they, uh, the, the world found out what a fake and a phony or, or what big sins that they created, long before that ever happened, they stopped reading the Word. You know, uh, I have a seminary degree, and, and, and I could easily say, well, I know it already. But our minds get fuzzy. We get arrogant and cocky and prideful. We need to come continually in the Word. We need to just study over and over again. And it's by that that we grow. It's by that we mature. And it's by that that we have strength and power to fight the corruption, the temptation, the sinfulness, and the weaknesses of the world. And that's what Peter is encouraging us to do through the knowledge of him who called us. And you know what? He could take out that who called us phrase out of there, and the verse would still work great. But I love that he put it in there. It's not just a relationship. It's not just facts and figures. It's the creator of the universe, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that wanted to have a special relationship with us. He called us. We didn't figure it out. We didn't know that we needed God. God revealed it to us. And he calls us. He calls us to start that relationship. He calls us to continue that relationship. And, and, and so it totally, totally ties into day four about the, the relationship of John. The one that reclined at his feet. And I love the story of Mary and Martha, too, because she's known for reclining at Jesus' feet. And, and I hope that that's, that's my desire, too. I want to be known as someone who reclines at Jesus' feet. Well, he's not here physically today, but he left us his word. And we need to recline at his feet each and every day. Because he called us and he loves us. You know, uh, you you might know Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. If you don't know it, that was it. (laughs) It's a great gospel verse behold i stand at the door and knock god wants to have a special relationship with you but sometimes we forget that's written to one of the churches of revelation it's not written to non-christians primarily it's written to us god doesn't just want to start a special relationship and then kick you to the curb and say okay you're saved you're on your own God wants to continue that special relationship. He wants to spend time with us each and every day. But uh, again, you, you might start to figure out that I like C.S. Lewis. Again, C.S. Lewis says that that, that God is a gentleman. He's not going to force us to it, but he calls us. He invites us. And so it's through knowledge of him of the one who called us. And And Peter is acknowledging that, you know, God loves us. He wants to have a relationship with us. And he's going he's to draw us in and, and, and call us to that. And then finally, by his own glory and goodness, excellence, virtue. <laughs> this is uh, the wide uh, translation area on this word. And I think excellence and virtue are, might be a little bit more accurate. But glory, I understand, to a point, you know, it's something I really struggled with as a young kid because, you know, I understood we shouldn't be proud, we shouldn't be arrogant, that only God deserves the glory. But then the Bible talks about how everything we should do should be to glorify God, and I got that. But, but then when, when uh, uh, there, there'll be verses like this, by his glory and goodness, and, 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 and our fleshly nature creeps up again and say, oh, is, is God being arrogant? Is God being prideful? Well, well, when you're perfect, you can call people to glorify yourself. So until that happens, don't glorify yourself. That that's the easy answer, you know. But but it still is a little strange to me, and, and yet I, I get it. And 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 uh, and I remember reading one day, and 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 I was studying uh, the story of Joseph. I love that story. I remember how I mentioned I'd been betrayed in middle school, and I, I, was, I was really struggling with forgiveness. And, and I, one of the things I didn't understand as a youth, young people, is I lived my life by emotions. And I would read God's word, and I would say, well, I forgive this guy. And then the, the emotions would still well up. And I'd be like, "Well, I guess I didn't properly forgive him." And in my mind, I thought, if I properly forgive him, those emotions wouldn't well up anymore. Where's that in the Bible? Again, this guy was an awesome counselor, by the way. You know, where's that in the Bible? It's not. You need to forgive him, and then you need to act like he's forgiven. And after I had done that a year, when the emotions emotions would well up and I'd say, no, I've forgiven him and I'm going to treat him like that. I I wasn't around him anymore, but I, I had to say this to myself. I had to rebuke this. It took a year before the emotions started to die down. And so, I was studying Joseph, learning about forgiveness, and and I, I was applying it to God glorifying himself. And I, I realized something really cool. Joseph says to his brothers, because he forgives them right there when they finally figure out who he is and the big reveal, as, you know, today it would be. Uh, and it quite literally was. Uh, but... Uh, uh, they figure out who he was, they cry, they forgive him. But then like a decade later, and I'm not sure on the exact time frame, their dad dies and think, oh no, Joseph's going to get revenge on me. And and they go to him and they tell him a lie. Oh, by the way, dad told us you have to forgive us. They totally did not understand forgiveness. And, and it's so sad that they were still living in fear and in and, and reality, Joseph was the number two guy in Egypt. If he had wanted revenge, the first time he saw them, he'd be like, kill those guys. And they'd be done. If that was Joseph's heart, it, it would have been over. They never would have even known who he was. Oh, he might have laughed at them, I don't know, but, and told them. But he didn't do that. And they lived in fear. They didn't understand they were forgiven. And so he had to explain to them again that they were forgiven and that he would take care of them and their children. And he says this most powerful statement. What you intended for harm, God intended for good and the salvation of many peoples. And, and I began to understand that while God desires to glorify himself in our lives and through us and other people's lives, that doesn't mean he has to set aside his goodness. God can do things at the exact same time. When we choose harm like Joseph's brothers, God wills his, weaves that into his will, and it doesn't thwart him one bit. And so God can glorify himself, and he can love us, and he can be holy, and he can be graceful, and he never has to set any of it aside because he's perfect. And that's when I began to understand, oh, it's not selfish of God, and he is the only one who's perfect. And and even though it sounds weird in my fleshly mind, I know that he's good. And I know that he grants us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And it's through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and virtue. It starts and ends with God. All the divine perfections, all the divine power, all that God is, it's by his virtue. It's by who he is. Everything that God does, you know, and and, uh, what he does kind of comes out of who he is. And that's why uh, he can change. If we repent, what he does can change based on our repentance. But who he is never changes. And God is called the rock. I am the same today, yesterday, and forever. Who he is never changes. And so that verse has become more and more meaningful to me as as, uh, things creep in. And I I know I've I've dealt with people uh, other religions uh, Mormons uh, Unitarians uh, and even other philosophies of this world and people are going to come along and say you know what the Bible's good but you need this also sorry about that you need this also and and. In a loving way, I want us to challenge that thought. I want us to rebuke that thought and say, you know what? The Bible tells us that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And that means he gave Peter and Paul and those first Christians everything they needed. And he gives that to us today. And I ask you today, what has changed? What has changed in history that suddenly we need something more than the Bible? They won't have an answer for that question. I have not met someone yet who has an answer for that question. Maybe if we keep preaching it, they'll, start, they'll make one up. <laughs> but in a loving way, we need to challenge that thought. In our own self, in the world, in, in what people say to us, and, and when, when Satan and his minions try to tempt us, we need to challenge what has changed nothing. The heart of man is always the same, the problem is always the same, and the solution is always the same, faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. And it's never going to change until he comes again. Amen. So I'm, I'm going to close us in prayer. If you'd like to come up and speak with me or just pray at the altar, uh, you can do that as Corey leads us, and, and then we'll be dismissed.